This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. Superman Forever Radio, episode 119. Super Dad. than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. People believe tall buildings of a single bound. The incident of ship town is now the man of steel. Superman! Hello and welcome to the Superman Forever radio podcast. My name is Bob Fisher. This is a show where I talk about Superman from 1938 to, well, present day. Of course, I've uh, decided concerning present day to not comment on um, Mr. Bendis's current run until the time limit is up. When is the time limit up? Well, when I read them. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. I've got them stacked up over there. Well, digitally stacked up. I am 100% digital now. Kind of sad on in some ways. Good on other ways, you know. Anyway, uh, hello. How are you? I know it's been four months. I know. Um, and you know, the last uh, uh, two years hasn't been, you know, <laughs> a total disaster. Uh, there have been a few, you know, bright spots, a few, hello, nice to see you. Wow, that was fun, cool. But to be honest, the last couple of years have just really sucked. You know, sometimes life kicks you in the stomach pretty hard. And uh, the podcast, which is a hobby and a fun one and something I love to do, uh, has to take, you know, a back seat until you can... Uh, <laughs> You know, get in the right frame of mind to do this. This is, um, you know, podcasting can be a very personal kind of thing. But anyway, with a few adjustments here, a few adjustments there, a stay in the hospital or two, we're starting to get our little, you know, brain and body back together a little bit. And uh, finally decided to sit here in front of the microphone and let's see what comes out of the mouth. Uh, I do have a plan. We're going to talk, and it's funny, I was telling Kim what the topic was going to be. And she said, oh, you're doing a Father's Day episode. No, I don't think in those terms. I don't think holidays and look at a calendar and see what's coming up. You know, I'm I'm really bad about that kind of stuff. I mean, in fact, I didn't know it was Easter weekend until uh, the unfortunate fire at Notre Dame. And they mentioned that... Uh, uh, you know, to add insult to injury, it's happening here on Holy Week. And I went, whoa, whoa, what? What? So that's my brain has just been um, not in, in not in real time. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, this is just a, a show. So there's no significance, no meaning to today's show other than uh, I'm putting out a podcast again and I'm talking about Superman and it happens to be an episode, an episode, an issue because of all of the stuff that is going on. The reason I picked this was not for any significant holiday, but in current comic books and Superman in action, uh, Superman is a dad. And I thought, how is that? You know, uh, how's how's that gone for him in the past? Because in his 80 years, and how's that for a segue? 
But in his 80 years, uh, 80 plus years now, Superman has been a father several times, and and you wonder how did how did he handle those situations? Now, granted, most of those situations were uh, under the the heading of imaginary stories. What if Superman had married Lois and they had a kid, or Superman married Lana and they had a kid, or Superman uh, married another woman, stranger we don't know who, and they had twins, and one had powers and one didn't? How did he handle that? Well. Go back to a few episodes ago, I talked about one of those. But over the years, Superman has been uh, a a dad. And I thought, you know, to kind of see how he had handled his fatherhood, we'd go back to one of the first times I remember reading a comic where Superman was a dad. Now, I first read this story, and we're going to be talking, by the way, uh, about Action Comics 232. I first read the story of Superman and Superman Jr. in uh, the giant Superman annual number seven, where it was reprinted in 1962, 63, something like that. So that's what we're going to talk about in a little bit is, is Superman in my first memory of him being a dad and how he handled that. What were the circumstances and what was the story? So we'll get into that in a few minutes, but I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sticking with me, downloading the episodes, listening, sending email to Bob at Superman forever.com. Checking out the Facebook site, the Superman forever podcast on Facebook site we're getting close to a thousand uh likes so uh go on over there and like the page and leave a comment and say hi and uh uh let's get to a thousand that would be very cool that would be very very cool so anyway in a few minutes we'll talk about action comics number 232 superman and superman jr Welcome to the Superman Fan Podcast. My name is Billy Hogan, and I will be your host. Before we begin our journey through the time barrier, please ensure that your red indestructible capes are securely fastened around your necks so that we may all travel safely into the past to explore the Silver Age adventures of the Man of Steel in the pages of Action Comics, Superman, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane, and World's Finest Comics. After we return from our journey, I encourage you to go to the website, the thesupermanfanpodcast.blogspot.com. I look forward to have you join me each week to explore the Silbrage adventures of the Man of Steel All right. So, you know, I don't want to make it, you know, sound too doom and gloom here, and it's not a good way to start. But uh, I wanted to let you know a little bit about why there hadn't been a show in a while. And, you know, sometimes it it, it, it happens that, you know, the longer you put off doing something, the, the harder it gets to get back into it. Uh, and, you know, those things happen. So anyway, I didn't want you to think that, you know, everything is doom and gloom. I'm I'm fine. I'm back. And we're going to try to, you know, put together a podcast <laughs> and uh, see if we can get this thing going again. I have a lot to say. I haven't stopped talking about Superman. 
Uh, I just haven't been recording it. But anyway, I'm fine. And, and, and to be honest, not everything during the last period of time or whatever has been bad. There's been a lot of good. There has been some really good high moments. And uh, one of them I'll tell you about right now. And it happens to have a little bit to do with Superman. So, so this is what happened. Back in April, a dear friend of ours, Gail, came to visit. And for the first time, we met one of her friends, Rail. I know, Gail and Rail. And I had not met Rail before. Kim and I had not met him before. Gail, we've known for many, 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 many. Gail used to live in Richmond for a while and then moved out to California in the 80s, in the early 80s. And we get to still see her periodically. Uh, You know, um, she's just one of our dearest friends on the planet. In April, she visited the East Coast. Rail, her friend Rail, had met had not been uh, seen much, if anything, of the East Coast. He had never been to Washington, D.C., had not been to Richmond. So uh, they came and spent a few days in Richmond, and then we went up to Washington, D.C. And there's some pictures. I put some pictures up on Facebook of the Smithsonian. They had a George Reeves Superman costume there, or some a Batmobile. They had some stuff in, a, in the American History Museum at the Smithsonian that was really cool. But anyway, the, like the first day we had met Rail, we, um, you know, we're walking around Richmond showing off the sights and stuff and a lot of walking, walk, walk, walk. <laughs> Not my favorite thing in the world to do, but it was fun. I enjoyed being with them and that's just always a really good thing. So we walked back to our cars, which is, you know, they were, they were staying at a bed and breakfast here in town and we walked back to our cars in their alley and we get out of the car and Rail says, uh, listen, Bob. Gail told me that uh, you're into Superman and um, have kind of a collection. Uh, and I thought, well, oh, maybe he'll like this. And Rail opens the trunk of his car, <clears throat> or the hatchback or whatever, the back of the car, and in a box pulls out <laughs> pulls out a, an adult, full-length, Man of Steel promotional Superman cape. <laughs> I know, and it's so cool. Uh, I need to figure out a place to 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 display it properly. It's just very nice. It's it's a it's uh, it's an adult size cape, and it looks terrific. It's just it's just beautiful. Kind of blew me away right there, and I thought, well, new friend. <laughs> but Rail and I had a lot more in common too than than just that. Uh, he gave it to. Uh, he's really into music, and we went back and talked music a lot, and some rare music, obscure music that other people may not be into. Uh, uh, Genesis with Peter Gabriel, not after Peter left. You know, some of those kinds of things. But on and on and on, it just totally, totally blew me away. And uh, thank you, Rail. I'll say that publicly here in case you know. Uh, I, right now I have it displayed. I'm not sure how to how to display it, where to put it, but right now I have it on the wall next to the figures, the, the action figures. I have a big black case, not black, brown, wooden case, with action figures in it. And right now it's on the wall there, and that may be where it's placed. And it makes me smile every day I walk by it. Thank you, Rail. What a what a terrific, terrific thing. Adult size from 2013 Man of Steel. <laughs> it's a cape. <laughs> and do you know how I know it's Superman's cape? 
That's right. It has an S on it. If it doesn't have the S on it, it it could be anything. It could just be a red blanket of, you know, it would still be attractive. It would still look nice. But would I hang it on my wall? Would I make a big deal about it if it was just a piece of red shiny material? Mm, Doubtful. Without the S, it's not Superman's cape. Unless, of course, he's wearing it, as our good friend Scotty V will point out. Okay, we will be back to talk about Superman Jr. right after this. Andy, I have an amazing idea. Let's do a podcast. We've been talking about doing this for years. That sounds great. So, what should we talk about? Something no one else is talking about. Batman. Mike, there are hundreds of Batman shows out there. You used to do one. True. Well, maybe we could do an index show. Are you insane? We both already host those. True again. Okay, maybe we could talk about Batman stories no one else does. Like the Jerry Conway run. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Yeah, we could discuss his entire run and then go into the Doug Mensch run. But we won't be tied down to that. We need to be free to talk about other Batman stories from that era as well. And we could call it The Overlooked Dark Knight, the non-index index show. Great! Uh, I guess we should do a trailer. I think we kind of just did. Yeah, but it's missing something. Like, you should have added music behind us or something. Andy, I have an amazing idea. Let's do a podcast. We've been talking about doing this for years. That sounds great! So... What should we talk about? Something no one else is talking about. Batman. Mike, there are hundreds of Batman shows out there. You used to do one. True. Well, maybe we could do an index show. Are you insane? We both already host those. True again. Okay, maybe we could talk about Batman stories no one else does. Like the Jerry Conway run. Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah, we could discuss his entire run and then go into the Doug Mensch run. But we won't be tied down to that. We need to be free to talk about other Batman stories from that era as well. And we could call it The Overlooked Dark Knight, the non-index index show. Great! The Overlooked Dark Knight, the non-index index show. New episodes drop on the 14th and 28th of every month. The show and the website, www.overlookeddarknight.com, launch in May of 2017 from the Fortress of Bailitude Podcasting Network. So, Action Comics number 232, released in the summer, June, July of 1957. I was a little five-year-old. Hello, little Bobby. Now, I didn't read this one in Action Comics when it first came out. I actually read this story uh, in uh, one of the Giants, the Giant Superman Annual Number 7. In fact, it was the Silver Anniversary issue. The uh, has the beautiful statue on the cover. Looks good. It's a great cover. Anyway, Action Comics 232. It's one of the first stories that I could find where Superman uh, was a father. Now, in the Silver Age, it happened a lot. Oh, did I tell you I had a new cape, by the way? (laughs) Love that cape. 
but anyway, in the Silver Age, it happened quite a bit where Superman was a father. Most of the time, imaginary stories. Most of the time, off to good most, because there was probably something somewhere that uh, where they said it wasn't an imaginary story. And yet, and yet, right? But things went back to the status quo at the end of the story, which is how stories ended in the Silver Age. Uh, back to the beginning, as they would say. So, this is one of the first or the earliest times that I could find where Superman was a dad. Uh, I didn't check the Golden Age, you know, or the Atomic Age. Just did some quick glances, looks around to see. And, and, and I couldn't find anything. So if you know something in the Golden Age, maybe John uh, Wilson or Michael Bradley, one of you guys who did those great podcasts about Superman in the Golden Age, maybe you came across a story where Superman was a father or had to act like a father, etc. And uh, how did that go? <laughs> Great podcast, by the way, those two guys did. Superman, like I say, has been in the Silver Age a father many, many times. In fact, all you really need to do is go to, um, uh, you know, Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics, that DC Indexes, dcindexes.com, and uh, look around, do a search, and just look at the Superman covers from, say, 1957 to uh, 1970. Just look at those covers. And you'll see quite a few times where Superman was a father. Either he would marry Lois and they would have a kid, a boy or a girl. A lot of the times uh, in these stories, Lois would die for some reason. Uh, uh, but not all the time. And uh, But you just look at the covers and you can see, well, there's Superman standing with the little girl uh, looking at Lois's grave. There's a uh, cover of Superman uh, looking at a big head of Lois that they've carved with their heat vision into the side of the mountain, uh, a la Mount Rushmore. And he's standing there with, uh, his son looking at. So there are, there are many times. But like I say, this is one of the earliest that I could find where, uh, uh Superman was a dad in Action Comics number 232 from 1957. The story of Superman Jr. is written by Jerry Coleman. Art Pencils, Wayne Boring, Ink Stan K, Mort Weisinger, Editor. Now the question, oh, I have so many questions. <laughs> now Jerry Coleman wrote this, uh, and you might say, well, Jerry Coleman, who's Jerry Coleman? Because that may not ring a bell to you. But uh, uh, Jerry Coleman, between 1951 and 1962, wrote uh, about 90 stories for DC Comics and then came back in 72 for uh, a reunion and, and, and uh, wrote a story for DC. Now, DC, uh, now Jerry Coleman wrote a lot of different stories. And it's funny, I'm just looking on, again, Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics for a rundown of the 90-plus stories he wrote for DC Comics. And amongst the titles, I see stuff like um, Mystery in Space, good superboy several superman many superman stories in that 10 years or 11 years that decade of the 50s so um it i'm gonna have to go back this one look at this early one the superboy 17 i'm gonna have to go back and look at some of these and see what jerry coleman wrote in some of the stories and see if any of these stories are um 
you know, important? Did they add to the canon? Did they make it throughout the Silver Age kind of thing? Uh, because we never hear of our young man here again after this story. This is a done in one. So, but I think it would be interesting. Uh, I'm not familiar with Jerry Coleman's work, uh, but I've probably read as I look through these. I know I've read that story. I know I've read that story because of uh, the Superman, um, the numbers on them. I know that they're, you know, when I started reading. So some of the early stories I read apparently were uh, from Jerry Coleman. So need to look him up. Now, Wayne Boring, of course, we know the great Wayne Boring, which I think is interesting about Wayne Boring. Wayne Boring started, and I may have said this before at some earlier episode, some show, but uh, Wayne Boring was actually part of the Joe Schuster Studios uh, as a very young man and worked for, you know, uh, Joe Schuster. And in fact, his first earliest works with DC Comics were actually through the Joe Schuster studio. And in those days, Wayne Boring's art was looking, he looked like Joe Schuster's art. He was, he was really um, copying Joe Schuster. And uh, most of the artists in the Schuster studio at that time were doing that for work. And many times, well, I don't know about many, Joe Schuster, as we know, his eyes were failing. And many times, or sometimes, times, he would turn in his students' work. He would have his students uh, do the work. And I, I, I'm not sure how the pay worked out on all that, you know, whether Joe paid him or, you know, <laughs> whatever. But uh, for his, some of his early work, uh, a lot of uh, Wayne Boring's early work was as a stand-in for Joe Schuster. So I really like that. I think that's interesting. And you can tell when you start looking back at those Golden uh, Age stories. At some point, as we get into uh, 1940, 39, 1940, a year or two, 41, you start to see Wayne Boring come into his own and start to define Superman under his terms until uh, literally the 40s and 50s for almost 20 years, a good solid 15 years. Wayne Boring was the iconic Superman artist. You know, Wayne Boring. And, I, and it's a little weird to look at it now and, and think of them as saying this, but the reason they actually went with Wayne Boring is the same reason they went with eventually Kurt Swan and then Neil Adams. For the time period and the style of art, Wayne Boring brought the sense of realism. Now, looking back at it, you think, what? <laughs> really? Who looks like that? <laughs> Well, look at pictures from mid-40s, late-40s to, um, say, the mid-50s. Look at some photographs. Uh, that's Wayne Boring's art. But uh, uh, he's teamed up with Stan Kay as one of the uh, great inkers at DC Comics. Also inked uh, the great Kurt Swan. All right, here we are. We have a great splash page here. We did the cover first. We look at the cover. We did talk about the cover, and it shows. Yeah, I talked about the cover. Uh, so we open it up, and the first page is the nice Wayne Boring splash page. Uh, and as we mentioned, this is uh, the artwork is Wayne Boring. Stan K inked it, and Mort Weisinger, which we'll come back to in a minute, is the editor. Uh, splash page shows Superman and Superman Jr., 
run flying, run flying. That's how it's another it's another way you can tell Wayne Boring's uh, unique artwork is that uh, more times than not, his Superman uh, was upright uh, with one leg kind of cocked back and the other one forward as if he's running through uh, space instead of, uh, you know, flying and uh, Superman Jr., about half his size, is uh, in the same pose. And they, by the way, are uh, flying to an accident. The splash page are flying to an accident of two cars heading towards each other. And apparently, <clears throat> in front of um, a movie theater in Smallville. <laughs> okay, that's the splash page. And like so many great stories... Starts with uh, Clark Kent at the Daily Planet just leaving for a lunch break when uh, his super hearing picks up something and he uses his supervision to look to see what is that. And it looks like a, uh, uh, a ship of some kind has crashed. Changing to Superman, a nice Wayne Boring shirt rip. And why is it a, sh- a nice Wayne Boring shirt rip? Uh, it's a shirt rip because he's ripping open his shirt to take off the shirt and coat. He's not just pulling the shirt aside so you can see his S. You see the S because he's actively pulling the shirt open and jacket open to take them off, not just to show the viewer the S, although that is what it does. But uh, I'm kind of talking to Melissa Benoist. Do your shirt rip more like a rip instead of just, hi, I'm showing you my S symbol so to speak. When Superman gets to the site of the crash, he's surprised to see a boy jump out. Superman says, what? A boy speeding from the crash. And the boy says, uh, who are you, sir? (laughs) Superman says, what do you know who am I? I am, I'm, I'm Superman. You don't know who Superman is? And he says, no, this rocket took me uh, to another planet into space, and I, I grew up on another planet, so I, I you know, I don't know really anything about uh, Earth. And a, and a kid says, golly, to think I never heard of you. Uh, and he says, as for me, my name is Johnny Kirk. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Johnny Kirk. Johnny Kirk? Why, this Superman says, why, of course, now I remember. It happened way back when I was Superboy. Okay, now this story is 1957, so we've had Superboy now for, you know, since 44. Can you do the math, boys and girls? Might have to use your toes. Well, what had happened, and this is, this is what had happened. And Superman says, uh, of course, now I remember your father, uh, I think his name was Morton Kirk, was a scientist. And yes. And one day looking at his super powerful telescope, he sees a meteor coming towards Earth. And it's huge, and it's on fire, and it's going to destroy Earth. So, of course, what every scientist would do in that situation when your planet is about to be, you know, destroyed in some fashion, you put your young child in a rocket and, sh- and send it to space. I, th- I th- just think that's normal, and I'm sure every one of you with small children out there would do the same thing. If, if uh, you looked at your telescope and you saw a big thing coming towards Earth, You would say, oh, oh no, I must save my child, and you shoot him off into space. Well, what happened? Well, to his surprise, to Professor uh, Morton Kirk's surprise, 
as he's watching the telescope and the, uh, the trajectory of the meteor. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes a young boy in a red and blue costume and pushes away the meteor. As he's flying back, as Superboy is flying back to Smallville, he sees from the, uh, 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 what do you call the thing that has the telescope? It's a big building, a round building. If you've seen The Adventures of Superman, you've seen one where, you know, in Panic in the Sky or whatever, where people monitor the big shoot. Well, he's flying by, and then all of a sudden a big rocket thing, uh, uh, several colored explosions come out, and Superboy says, whoa, I better investigate. And it's uh, uh, the professor, and he's sick to death. He's just sick to death. He can't even, and he's in bed, and he can't even get him, get it together. And he tells Superboy the story about how he um, sent his own son as a small child a few just before you saved the Earth. So Professor Morton tells Superboy that just before you stopped the the uh, uh, meteor coming towards Earth, I sent my son in a rocket to save his life because I thought Earth was going to explode and I'm sick to death. I can't think. I can't. You've got to find him, Superboy. You've just got to find him. And Superboy at the old man's death, well, not old man, but Morton's, Professor Morton's, what appears to be a deathbed. He can't even move. And uh, the interesting thing, too, about Boring's art is that Wayne Boring does not do children well, usually. And Superboy is is uh, kind of awkward, you know, looking. It's just, it, it's an amazing, I don't know what it is. It just kind of looks a little out of, I don't know. But I love it. I mean, I really do love this artwork. And uh, Superboy's very sad and concerned. And he says, well, golly, you know, sir, uh, I'll do the best I can. And Superboy literally then flies up into space and I love also Wayne Boring's space scenes. Asteroids are just round spheres up there. Everything's a round sphere in space. So here's Superboy uh, in the running through space pose that we mentioned earlier. Running through space and meteors and asteroids and apparently checking many planets that he can find around and with no luck. And he comes back and just says, sir, I am so, so sorry. I just can't. I couldn't, I couldn't find uh, the rocket. Well, he goes back and, you know, and then the old man gives him an envelope and says that uh, if if uh, my son happens to come back, open this envelope. And uh, Superman says, and well, here you are. Let's go open the envelope. And basically, oh, I love this scene, too, because Superman uses his supervision to uh, find the envelope where he had stored it. And then flies there to get it and is knocking over a lamp. And, you know, as he flies in the window, it's flying fairly aggressively. Uh, uh, knocks stuff over to retrieve the letter. Retrieves the letter. And before he reads it, he starts asking the boy, he says, so what happened? And the boy says, well, this was my journey. I have superpowers because my ship landed on this other weird world and chemicals, etc., sun, blah, 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 uh, gave me superpowers, and I was able to survive there and thrive there. And I still have them here. Look. And he smashes a boulder and does some other things. And Superman, in a, Superman in a nice scene, has his arm around a boy and says, uh, oh, by the way, the boy changes sizes throughout from being Superman waist high to being uh, shoulder high. 
from being 12 to 17. So throughout the story. Again, I think Wayne Boring's problem with drawing children. And, uh, you know, Superman says, well, we'll work. You know, I'll tell you what. And your father asked me to, and this is the weird part, if my son should ever come back as a boy, you must adopt him and treat him as your own son. What? Yeah. And to be honest, this looked like it was concerning Superman quite a bit. The whole, what, me, be the father, take care of your child when he comes back? And then when the kid says, hey, and I got superpowers, Superman. Well, in that case, (laughs) come on over here, son. (laughs) Yeah. And that's literally what Superman does. Once he finds out the kid has superpowers, all of his concerns go right out the window. And he calls him son and says, uh, we'll call you Superman Jr. And we will battle crime together. We'll get you an S for your costume and a cape. Because you got to have those things. Which he does. And the two of them start flying through uh, town. And then when they get to this, uh, as they're flying, Superman checks out and he says, oh, there's a fire. Oh, good. A first opportunity for Superman and Superman Jr., to take on a travesty, to take on a catastrophe, to take on a fire. Woohoo! As they fly into it, Superman's about to use his super breath when he realizes, I don't have super breath. What, what, what's going on? So he tells uh, Superman Jr. to take care of the problem. Then he tries to use his supervision, and that's starting to go. And he says, hmm. <clears throat> so while Superman Jr. is taking care of the fire... Superman goes back to the scene of the uh, crash of the rocket that uh, Johnny Kirk, Superman Jr., came in, does some investigations, and realizes that an element that was in the rocket is stripping Superman of his powers one at a time. So he doesn't want to let Johnny know that because that would make him feel bad. And uh, so uh, for the rest of the next few pages, as we go through a lot of catastrophes, Superman is faking it, pretending like he has powers. But first, what he does is he says, uh, uh, if we're going to be father and son, let's, let's, we need to adopt secret identities. Well, that's what you do. Again, superhero, you need a, a chest emblem. You need a cape because capes are cool. And I have one now. And you need a secret identity. Okay, and at this point, for their secret identities, they go to Smallville and get in a house or an apartment or something, a place to live. And Superman says, you'll still be Johnny, but I'll take your father's name, Morton Kirk. He puts some gray in his temples, has a mustache and glasses. So it's, it's, it's an older Clark Kent with uh, a Commissioner Gordon must gray mustache and gray temples, okay? And putting on uh, a hat and suit and a young boy putting on a jacket and they go out to um, walk around Smallville. And uh, Johnny makes a comment that, gee, my career will be just like yours. I'll learn how to use my powers and save people in Smallville. And uh, Superman kind of forlorn thinks yes, and he will learn to be the Superman that Earth will need as I lose my powers. And then all of a sudden, bang, bang, gunshots. The two of them to an alley. Shirt rips. And a couple of crooks are getting away in the car, and Superman tells Johnny what to do. He picks up the car, dumps the bad guys out. 
takes care of them, and uh, then they fly off as Superman and Superman Jr., and people are just cheering, yay. Uh-oh, train coming. Got Uh-oh, two trains. Can't stop both. What am I going to do? Again, another feat. He gets uh, uh, Johnny to do one thing, and, and he's using what kind of powers he has left. He doesn't have super strength, apparently, so he's spinning really fast like Flash might do to cause a, uh, a wind buffer. And they stop it the, before Johnny can see what's going on. And they go to fly into space or fly somewhere. And Superman, oh, it's just there's gold down there and he can't hand. He's starting to. And again, he's pretending to do one thing, to pretend that he has powers. And this one's amazing. The lightning needs to be, he's going to have to put his body in front of lightning. He doesn't have in, in, in vulnerability, but he's still flying. So he flies through a glass factory at super speed, melts glass all over him. So he has like a glass costume that flies up and takes the shock away. And then later he's looking at, yeah, I know. And then later he's looking at a list of the powers that he's lost. X-ray vision, super hearing, all of this stuff. He's losing them. Later that night, Johnny's asleep. And, uh, uh, well, it's, it's the next day, actually, in the morning. They skip ahead, and then they do a flashback. So, uh, And the next morning, they, they say, fine, and, and Johnny's going out by himself. But Superman goes to follow, but can't fly. He's falling, falling, falling. So what he does is see, he sees a huge, big tree, and he uh, uh, uses it like a sling, uh, or a springboard, rather, uh, jumping on top of it as it bends to the ground and then re- Pels. It sends him apparently strongly enough that then he can take a rest of it into space under his own power to meet Johnny, who has a huge meteor, kind of a yellowish meteor, and says, uh, here's Superman. You need to do this. What? I heard, and then Johnny tells him, I heard you talk in your sleep last night that my rocket, that you were losing all your powers, and we need to take care of this, so do this, and blah, blah, blah. And because... Johnny on one side, Superman on the other, this electrical thing happens in space, and Johnny transfers all of his superpowers to Superman, and now he's just floating there in space. Superman throws the the meteor away, picks up Johnny, and they fly back to uh, Smallville. Now they go back to Smallville, and the text says now he will resume his identity as Jimmy Kirk. So they fly back, like I say, they fly back to, um, or Superman flies them back to Smallville, and Superman, you know, says, Jimmy, again, now it's now he's Jimmy, he's no longer Johnny, he's Jimmy. Young Jimmy Kirk. Ring a bell, ding, ding, ding. So you know, young Jimmy Kirk, <clears throat> uh, Superman says, uh, uh, wow, Jimmy, you sacrificed yourself for me you know, gave back all the power. How, how can I? And Jimmy says, skip the thanks, Superman. The world, uh, it's better this way that the world gets to keep the uh, Superman they know instead of having to learn a new one. And now, Timmy, Jimmy, so from the sidewalk of a street in Smallville on the corner, Timmy, Jimmy, now Jimmy, says, so, so long, Superman, it was swell, sob, while it lasted. 
and Superman flies off, saying, I'll never choke, forget you, Jimmy. That same day, Superman adds a warm message to his super diary. Dear diary, I'll always remember Jimmy Kirk, not for our adventures together, but because for a brief time, he was actually my own son. The end. Yes. Yes. (laughs) He just leaves little Jimmy Kirk standing on the side of the road in Smallville. Well, at least it was downtown Smallville. And says, see ya, it was fun. While you had powers, you could be my son. No powers, no son. Sorry. So, just going to leave you sitting right there. Yes, Superman left Jimmy Kirk, or Timmy. (laughs) At one point, I actually thought, I went back and had to look at it again. At one point, I thought he went from Timmy to Jimmy to Johnny. But at least it was just Timmy to Jimmy. But uh, uh, Jimmy Kirk, James T., um, was just left right there on the street corner in Smallville because he had no superpowers. I guess he couldn't be Superman Jr., couldn't be Superman's son. Superman, I guess, didn't even have responsibility for him anymore now that he has no superpowers. That, it, it's, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And, by the way, this was canon. This was not an imaginary story. Like most of the stories that had Superman being uh, a parent of any kind until we get into post-crisis when, you know, oh, it's all got to be real and in this and that, you know, continuity, continuity, continuity. <laughs> this one is a story that right up until 1986, they could have gone back and said, what happened to Timmy Jimmy Kirk? So that's it. That's the... Uh the story of Jimmy Timmy Kirk, Timmy Jimmy Kirk, Superman Jr. have to ask my friend Hank uh, Weisinger, Dr. Henry Weisinger. Hank, what'd you do? Got your dad all upset. <laughs> Wanted to publish a story where Superman just leaves a kid on the side of a road because he doesn't have powers anymore. Wow. <laughs> Uh, we'll be coming across a few more stories about Superman being a dad in the future, but for now, this is the one. Action Comics 232. Artwork, I love the artwork. It was Wayne Boring. It's fun artwork. It's uh, goofy-looking kids. Although uh, Superman Jr. looks good. Looks better than uh, uh, his drawing of Superboy. But I like the uh, the issue. I just thought it was... a. A fun issue. I, I I think I liked it better as a kid. I didn't remember the this ending quite so harsh. <laughs> but uh but there we go. So finally we're back. We've uh, done a full episode. We talked about Superman being a dad close to Father's Day. <laughs> Once again, thanks for downloading, thanks for listening. Superboy will be next. Then we're going to pay a little trip to the Phantom Zone and uh, the Bottle City of Candor. It's one of my favorite places, the Bottle City of Candor. Uh, that'll be after the Superboy. So the Superboy, then Candor. Uh, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do for the next six or so uh, episodes. So once again, thanks. I do appreciate you being here. appreciate you downloading. 
So thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time. the next thrill-packed episode in the amazing adventures of the Superman Forever radio podcast. Superman is based on the original character appearing in Superman magazine and action comics. Superman and Superboy, copyright DC Comics. Superman and Superboy, created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Superman.